2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's begin reading in verse 10. This chapter is familiar to us. Paul has just laid out what the perilous times of the last days were going to look like in the church, is what has just happened. In, verse one, in verses 1 through 9. But it gets to verse 10 and it says, but you. So that's personal. Are you there? But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch and in Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Verse 13, pay close attention. It says, but evil men and imposters. It's talking about the last day's church. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Listen to me. The, the culture today would have you believe that you don't see what you see and you're not hearing what you hear. That, 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 you're, that the context of your life is off. That, that, that don't be fooled by what you're seeing and hearing. That's what they would have you believe. That it's always been this way. The Bible says that it has not always been this way. That evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. So what you're seeing is believing. It's not getting better. It is getting worse. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving you, me, and being deceived. What's that mean? Deceiving and being deceived. They're, deception, they're, they're spreading deception to you. And in the meantime, the deception is so permeated that they begin to be deceived by their own deception. Men literally began to believe their own lies. That perpetuates the problem. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving, and in turn, being deceived. I mean, those lies beget lies. Deception begets more deception. The, the spiritual law on the matter would be, you reap what you sow. Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. That whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow lies and deception, you will, you will in turn receive in spades lies and deceptions. Evil men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, who's this? But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. The word of God is true. 
I can assure you today that the Word of God is true. The church must continue in the things which you have learned, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from your childhood have known the Holy Scriptures. There's nothing like the Word of God. There's nothing like the Word of God. There is nothing that can compare to it. There is nothing that can stand against it. There is nothing that can change it. There is nothing that can bring it down. There is nothing that can lessen its effect. The Word of God is still true. And you must continue in the things and in the Word of the living God. Hallelujah. From your childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are also able. Able. The scriptures are able. It means they have the power. When you see in the New Testament the word able, it is dunamis. It is power. It is telling you that the scriptures, that the word of God, even in the end when evil men are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, that if you will continue in the Holy Scripture, that the Holy Scripture will give you the power to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Because all scripture, somebody say it, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All Scripture, the literal translation is God-breathed. All Scripture. What about God-breathed? The power of the breath of the Holy Spirit. It is the life-giving force of the Godhead. All Scripture is God-breathed. What's that mean? It's the same thing it says that it says in Genesis, in the opening chapters of Genesis, when it says that God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And it says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the men of God shall be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The only thing in this world that will equip you for, that will equip you, that will make you complete is the fullness of the Word of God. The problem was what's going to happen in the end. The solution comes in chapter 4. It says to preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Exhort, reprove, and rebuke with all long suffering. We've got to have the word of God. Evil men will wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. I'm often struck by the words of Charles Dickens and the opening moments of his novel, The Tale of Two Cities, that begins to chronicle the story of the French Revolution. And it's strangely almost prophetic in quotes to where we find ourselves today. He says, it was the best of times. And it was the worst of times. It was an age of wisdom. It was an age of foolishness. It was an epoch of belief. 
It was an epic of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. Powerful words of a conflicting time that I find so applicable for today. I believe with all of my heart that, the, that God is coming back for a glorious and powerful church without spot and without wrinkle. It is the best of times. I expect a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why? Not because I said it, not because somebody on TV said it, but because the Word of God says that in the last days I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. I will take Him at His Word. It is a great time to be alive, yet it it is the perilous, dangerous times that Paul prophesied of the last days. Dangerous times. We are seeing the effect of evil men that have came to power. Yes, I said it, and yes, I mean it. Evil men have came to power. You understand when I, when I say men, I say it in the traditional sense of speaking, that it's men and women. Where even in the church house, all across America and the world, that, that the theories of men have crept in and began to take their toll on the body of Christ. Evil men. He's talking about in the church. He says, evil men and imposters. An imposter is someone that comes in impersonating. They come in, they come in pretending to be one thing, but they are another. In America, it is high time today that we wake up and start knowing that this, that this book is not about our best life now, but it is about our life to come. It is about, there is no heaven on this earth, and there is, that, that our goal is not to have the best we can have now. Our goal is to see as many people saved and set on fire with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that will take the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world before there's a closing hour of history. It's not about the here. It's not about the now. It's not about how much you can gain. It's not about how much you can accumulate. All of that stuff, as Brother Wilkerson used to say, is going to burn. I'm not going to spend my life laying things on the scale that are going to be wood, hay, and stubble. I am looking for things that will survive, that will be gold, silver, and precious stones in eternity. We're off track. I found myself in the last several weeks feeling much as Elijah must have felt at a time after a great victory on Mount Carmel. Y'all remember when he called all the prophets of Baal together and they, and they done their thing. And he said, the God that answers by fire, he's God. Remember, Elijah asked, I believe, one of the most important questions in all of Scripture and I'll ask it again today. Do you remember the question? He was talking to the people of Israel who hadn't completely turned their back on God, but they had every other God in the world joined up with him. And Elijah asked a question. He said, how long will you halt between two opinions? 
If God be God, then serve him. And if Baal be God, then serve Baal. Then there was the showdown. It says, let the God who answers by fire be God. I got to tell you, he's still the God. He answered by fire that day on Mount Carmel where, where fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, consumed the rocks that the sacrifice was laid on, consumed the water that was poured over the sacrifice, and consumed the dust around the sacrifice. He is a consuming fire. And on the day of Pentecost, John prophesied of one, he said, this mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to unlash. He said, I baptize you with water under repentance, but there's one coming after me. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Then on the day of Pentecost, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And it said, divided tongues, cloven tongues, like as a fire set down on each of them. He's still the God that answers by fire. I felt, but then after leaving his victory, on Carmel where he slayed the prophets of Baal. That Elijah found himself alone in a cage, depressed and wanting to die. I don't think I've had a day that I've wanted to die, but I've had a day in the cave. I've had a day when I've convinced that I was the only one and that everybody was against me. Did y'all used to sing that? Nobody loves me, everybody hates me. I think I go out. And eat worms. That's what Elijah, I think Elijah wrote that song. He's having a discussion with God. He said, God, I'm the only one. God said, get up. You're not the only one. He said, there's 7,000. I have 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Hallelujah. You know what I noticed about that? Those 7,000 wasn't talking. There's a difference between being with you and hadn't bowed and willing to speak up. Just thought I'd add that. It's in there. I'm the only one. I felt that way. God, they don't want to hear this stuff. God, they're getting sick of hearing where we're at and what's going on. God, I'm the only one. He said, you're not the only one, boy. I don't know how God talks to you, but he just talks to me. Have you ever just wanted to give up? Before we get on further, but then you get those days that you know that you got to keep preaching. Those days that you know that it's no time to be quiet. Those days that you know that it makes a difference. Those days that you know, like the day when a man calls from Jacksonville, Florida to Mauriceville, Texas and says, I was watching your services last weekend when they were singing, when Lenny Wolf and company were singing the praises of God. He said, I've been injured in an accident several years ago and I've been in constant chronic pain ever since. He said, but as I watched that service, the spirit of the living God filled my room and touched my body and I've been pain free for the first time in years. There's a reason we do what we do, and it's not always in Mauriceville. It's not always in Mauriceville why we do what we do. 
We continually hear from people in the Northeast that don't have a church that they consider solid enough to even attend. So they watch this church every Sunday night and review every sermon from every week and go over and they, and they even tithe to this church because the voice of Mauriceville Assembly of God reaches to Connecticut. And for some crazy reason, for the last six weeks, we've been popular in Mexico. I, ask me to explain that. I can't explain that. But Apple, Apple, right? Apple tells us that among Christian broadcasting on, 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 on iTunes um, podcast platforms that were like number 33 in the nation of Mexico. You say, well, that's number 33. Do you know how many people there are broadcasting and podcasting? Do you know how big a nation Mexico is? Huge. I thought, you know what? I can't explain that. But God knows what he's doing. Evil men grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. We are living in the age of deception. And evil men have risen to power. I come by to tell you one thing right up front that I have read the end of the book and I've got to tell you it still hasn't changed. We still win. So I want you to know with a surety that, that God is not going to be dethroned, that God has not lost any power, that, that the end time harvest was still coming in, but it's the best of times and it is the worst of times. And I come by this morning to touch on some of the most sensitive, touchy topics that could possibly come to the pulpit today. And I pray that a thousand others like me will do the same today and in the coming week. That 10,000 others just like me will come and do the same thing. Because infiltration into the church has begun to take over where the roots of critical theory and critical race theory are beginning to take over. It's not, it, I, in fact, I will say I believe we're in an irreversible pattern. I don't believe we're, that it's going to turn around. I just believe but God. I can stand without, without it being contradictory at all and tell you it's not going to get any better but God. What is this critical theory that's been adapted now into critical race theory? You need to understand something. That all of my life and all of your life, you were taught this. From the youngest age, I remember hearing all of my life, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That is the voice of the church. That is the message of the church. That is the message of the book. Critical theory was adapted by none other than, was written and adapted and put into the world by none other than Karl Marx himself. It flies under lots of titles. I have found these things just like lies in the church are like snakes. Every time you pin it down, it sheds its skin, changes its name, and reintroduces itself. 
You could call it critical theory. You could call it critical race theory. You could call it liberation theology. You can call it black liberation theology. You can call it anything you want to, but it is what it is. It's the Marxist idea of dividing a people for the, for the purpose of consolidating power and wealth. And it has not, not been introduced. It is, it, is, it is introduced and permeating in the entirety of society. You say, is it in the church? It's in the church. It's been in the schools and it, and it is driving the, high, the institutions of higher learning. It is what is manifesting on the streets and in the news today. It is why this nation and around the world is being pulled apart at its very seams. And make no mistake, America is being pulled at its very seams. It's being hit at its very foundations. I didn't come to wave the flag this morning because there's something higher than the American flag, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, di I, didn't come, I didn't come to sing the Star Spangled Banner this morning, but I come to sing the praises of Jesus Christ. But I am telling you that, uh, that, that, uh, that freedom has rang in America because of the proclamation of the gospel. This everything that we are seeing is about the destruction of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is what, it is what these very theories, their whole intent is to divide a people to the point where the Bible can't even unite them. Christianity should never be divided by race or by ethnicity or by creed. We are united by the blood of Jesus Christ. The only color that unites me is the blood, the, the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ that the thread of redemption runs from Genesis to Revelation. That is the thing that matters. You need to understand some things. It's not coming, it's here. It's not about to happen, it has happened. Paul prophesied it. Jesus himself prophesied it. Matthew 24, they begin to say, how, the disciples you know said, Jesus, how will we know when the time, when the end is near? He said, do not be deceived. So first of all, it's an age of deception. But in Matthew chapter 24, he said this, and you'll recognize it. He said that nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in diverse places and etc. And he says, and this is the beginning of sorrows. Nation shall rise against nation is not what you think. It's not, it's not that Russia is going to, going to rise up against the United States. It's not, it's not the Chinese government is going, to, is going to invade the Middle East. That may happen, but that's, but that's not what he's talking about. Nation shall rise against nation. That's English translation, but the Greek words is ethnos shall rise against ethnos. Literally, ethnicity shall rise against ethnicity. It's the evil plot of the deceiver. And it has to be proclaimed. It has to be told. Life has to be shown. And truth has to be stood up for. Church, do not play into the enemy's hand. We are united around the word of God, not around political parties. 
Not even, not even around the stars and stripes. We are united by the blood of Jesus. I won't go into every statistic. I won't go into everything I've read. I won't go into everything that I could lay out point by point by point. But this garbage has infiltrated the mainline denominations and it is working its way today through the assemblies of God. And it has to be stopped. We don't even understand. They know that we don't understand even what's being said. So somebody has to tell you what's being said. I'm not saying you're, I'm not saying you're ignorant. Well, I am saying you're ignorant. I'm not saying you're dumb. You know how I know we're ignorant? Because I was ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorant doesn't mean you're, you're uneducated. Ignorant means you don't know what you don't know. See, when critical theory was established, it was about, it was about the haves against the have-nots. It was about the destruction of capitalism by communism so, divide, so that capitalism could be destroyed and, and communism could take over. That was the root of it. And Karl Marx thought that it would take over the world. But when it hit freedom, he realized that, that free people were never going to fall for that. But they are today. So hence the introduction of ethnicity rather than, rather than financial class and status. So now it's no longer about the Ku Klux, the Ku Klux Klan and the Black Panthers, radical groups that everybody knows was evil and crazy. It's not about that anymore. That's not what defines racism anymore. It's not what defines critical race theory anymore. It's not, it, critical race theory today is defined by that groups are marginalized by other groups. What it literally means is if you're part of this group, that you are automatically an oppressor. And if you're part of this group, you're automatically the oppressed, you're the victim. He knew that things like destroying capitalism and, and replacing with communism was no, going, no longer going to fly, but equity sounds real nice. That sounds even desirable. Equity. Church, look at me. Equity and equality are not the same thing. Equality. How many of you know that all men were created equal? Do we all agree? Equality is about opportunity. Ooh, y'all staring at me. Equality is about opportunity. Equity is about outcome. What do you mean? Equality is given the same circumstances. If you're given the same financial status, with the same education level, and the same opportunity, that you have an equal shot at that job. In a group of ten. Equality is about 
that group of 10 divides the pie 10 ways and everybody gets the same portion no matter what you've invested, no matter what your education, no matter what you are. Equality is everybody gets exactly the same. Equity has never raised a standard of living. Equity has lowered it. Equity has never set an oppressed free. It has put everybody in the same shackles. It is a lie from the pit of hell. I'll tell you something that controversial statements coming up. Controversial doesn't make them true or not true. I don't set out to be controversial. I have found out that the truth is controversial in itself. Hear me close and hear me right. Don't hear what I didn't say, but hear what I do say. One of the greatest lies and deceptions that's ever been perpetuated in this country and around this world is a white church, a black church, a Hispanic church, an Asian church, a whatever church. And in Texas, very popular is a cowboy church. Did I say that out loud? Where in the world did all that come from? Because it didn't come from heaven. When we begin to be divided by if we ride a horse or don't ride a horse. Whether we come from an African background or we come from a European background. We're already needing to wake up and look around. When your ethnicity or your financial status or what part of town you live in or what you ride to work becomes to define you as who you are in Jesus Christ, you're already sliding down a slippery slope of division that is going to grow and fester and grow and fester because, see, it's just a little leaven, Brother Scott, that leavens the entire lump. This nation fought a civil war to correct the wrongs. It's the only nation in the world ever that brother has fought against brother, neighbor against neighbor, friend against friend, church against church, to to rid a, a country of the scourge of slavery. It's the only country in the world. Yes, it was a blight on this country, then and now, but people shed their blood, and it was Christianity. I got news for you. It was the church that drove it. You begin to just do any kind of reading, you'll find out about people like William Wilberforce. You'll find out about people like John Newton. Say, I've never heard of John Newton. I bet you've heard Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. 
I've stood in the very slave castle in Ghana, West Africa, where John Newton slid in the filth of human waste on his face as he was trading in the, in the debauchery of the slave trade when he came to himself by the power of the Holy Spirit and later went home and penned the very words that I just recited to you. See, God, Jesus, this, this, he is a redeemer. He turns broken things around. He takes the scourge of nastiness and turns it into glory for his glory he can do it he can do it he can do it and he will do it but the day that my ethnicity or my financial class or anything else begins to be elevated above what this word says he says but you my but you must continue in the things you have learned and been assured of before you fall for it young man Before you believe this lie, go back to the book and continue in the things that you have been assured of. What are those things that in Christ that there's neither Jew nor Greek? There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. But we're all one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2. The things I've been assured of. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Therefore remember that you, (laughs) that you were once Gentiles in the flesh. Listen to me, what's Paul beginning to talk about? I ask this every time this comes up, so I'm going to ask it again today. Anybody in here of Jewish heritage? Anybody? Anywhere? I had ancestry do my DNA. I'm the whitest person you know. You have never, I am so white, I'm pink. 75% from the British Isles, the rest of us from Scandinavian countries. I mean, I am transparent. Anybody in here have any Jewish blood in them? Good, then I'm talking to you. You ain't listening. I don't care. I, 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 see, I, I see people so white, they're pink. I see people that's been in the tanning bed. I see people that are brown. I see people that are black. I see people that are yellow. And every one of us are united by one thing, that none of us are Jews. So the but you that Paul is talking to you is everyone in the sound of my voice in this room. He's talking to you no matter what color you are, no matter what your point of origin was. But you were once Gentiles in the flesh. All of you. who are called of the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made by the flesh by hands, that at a time you were without Christ, being aliens of the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world. But 
now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, who has made both one, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in the nuances he is also to create in himself one new man hallelujah somebody ought to give God praise somebody ought to shout somebody ought to give God praise that the ground is still level at the cross I'm not divided by my financial status. I'm not divided by my pink skin. I am not divided by my ethnicity or my nationality. I am united by the blood of Jesus Christ who makes me one with each other and one with God. Church, young people, do not fall for it. Do not fall for it. I will not take responsibility for crimes I did not commit. You shouldn't either. I don't care who you are. You know what else I will not do? I get so mad at these things. Let me tell you why I get mad. Because I had grandparents that were old enough to be my great-grandparents. My grandmother born in 1909, that means she was 20 years old when the depression started, when the stock market crashed. You know, they were already so poor, they didn't know the difference. Do you know what her privilege got her? You heard what I said. Her privilege got, she got to pull the same kind of cotton sack as every other color of person down the road got to pull to put food on the table. That's what it got her. We're not successful because of what we were born into. Oh yeah, I know people that were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. I understand that. You know what? There's always been people with a silver spoon. That's not new. And I got more news for you. This will rock your boat. Jesus one time was talking to disciples and they wanted to go take care of some things before they followed him. They wanted to go feed some people. and Was was Jesus against feeding people? Of course not. That's ridiculous. They wanted to go solve all the world's problems before they followed Jesus. Jesus made a statement that I find interesting. See, the, the word of God destroys the lies of the enemy. You ain't listening. Do you know that Jesus didn't come to solve all the world's trouble? That's probably a news flash to about half the congregation. Did you know that Jesus didn't come to right every wrong?
That's not what he came for. He didn't come to eradicate poverty. He didn't come to, to, you know why they crucified him? One of the reasons they crucified him, because he didn't come and set Israel free from the Romans. They thought their Messiah was going to come set them free from their oppression. He didn't. He came and set them free from their sin. He, the Bible says that the Son of God was made manifest, what? That he might destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to right every wrong. In fact, to that group of guys that was going to go fix everything before they followed him, he said, the poor you'll have with you always. Listen to me, church. I want you to hear me. Hear me good. As long as there's people, there's going to be problems. That's not to excuse anybody for being a jerk or a criminal or anything else. It's just a fact. Poverty's not the problem. Social class is not the problem. Ethnicity is not the problem. Nationality is not the problem. Sin is the problem. And as long as there's sin, we've got a problem. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He, he said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. told you Wednesday night the proper faith will produce proper work so sure if you're his there's going to be the fruit of the spirit which is love that flows out of your life that it will clothe the hungry or feed the hungry clothe the naked but that's not what we're here for that is the outflow of who we are As long as there's sin, there'll be wickedness. Because sin is wicked. As long as there's sin in people, there'll be crime. There'll be racism. As long as there's people, they'll be racist. I'm trying to decide how long how far I'm gonna mine down on that. I think we understand that. I don't know. Because see, today, by the way, before your very eyes right now today, words and phrases that you have always understood what they mean are being rewritten and redefined before your very eyes. Because the thing that I brought to the table this morning, critical theory, critical race theory, is not about individuals, Riley. You know this. It's not about individuals. It's about groups. 
That literally means by this theory that's being infiltrated and taught in our schools, in our churches, in our media, is the idea that by the very fact that you belong to a group, you're racist whether you even know it or not. And or you're a victim whether you know it or not. Oh, I realize this is, this, is, this is so touchy that it's almost sore to even touch it. I'll define it just a little more before we move on. I, want, I don't want anybody to leave misunderstanding anything. I want everything that can be said in this amount of time said in this amount of time. This means you'll be defined by your skin color, by your financial status, by your gender, by your sexual preference, and by your politics. You're not hearing me. I'm in waist deep. I might as well go to my neck. I'm telling you what's being taught. And you know it because you watch the news. And you know what? Look at me. It should make you angry. It should make you angry as a, as a Christian who would give everything they had in every way for their brother, no matter what their status. Are y'all hearing me? And it should make you, it should enrage you if you're being told because you're this, 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 and this that you can never achieve your full potential. There is nothing more bigoted than a system and a theory that tells you that you can't achieve and rise to your potential because of the situation you were born into. That should, you know what they would tell you even now, but that's your, that's your white fragility speaking. Church, I didn't come to stand before you as a white man. I come to stand, you, to stand before you as a God-called mouthpiece for the living God that's speaking the truth from the Word of God. Amen. The big five would be, oh, I forgot religion. If you're white, male, Christian, straight, cisgendered. What cisgendered means? That means that you identify by the parts that you were born with. Right. 
that you are the epitome of the oppressor. And if you're not any one of those things, you will establish the depth of your oppression. So if you're, if you're not male, if you're female, ladies, did you know you're all victims? Held down by the glass ceiling. If you're not Christian, if you're anything other, then you're less than. If you're not straight, if you identify as anything other than the genitals you were born with, and if you're the, and if you start, if you're multiple, if you happen to be not white and not male and not Christian and not straight. And are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? It has nothing to do with an individual anymore. Right. It's the group. Right. And they're having you to believe that you can't do anything about your oppressor status. And you can't do anything about being oppressed. It just is how it is. And all of us know that that's a lie. And somebody needs to stand up and say no. And I'll tell you why the church isn't doing it. I'll tell you why the pulpit isn't doing it. I'll tell you why. Because they know that the atmosphere that we live in and the media driven craze that we're, that we're living in and the lies that have perpetuated generations now will hang racist around your neck right. in order to shut you up. Right. It is the scarlet letter of the day. And it's a lie. It's a lie. Out of two years that I've been here, you're probably hearing the most important words I've ever spoken this morning. And it ain't easy to say, and it's not easy to listen to. Oh, it's all good when we're all fired up and, uh, about the truth of the word, but when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, when you define the terms and you tell what's being said, church, quit screaming at each other. Church, don't waste your energy screaming in the darkness. We've got to know what's true. We got to live what's true. We got to be united around what's true. There's not a revolution coming to this country and this world. You don't know it. You haven't realized it. Most of it hasn't realized it. In fact, I probably just really dawned on me last night. We are 
in the middle of the second American Revolution. And we haven't even realized it. The very foundations of this nation and of the church are under attack. In fact, have been bombarded for years now. And we're afraid to defend the very foundations that we stand on. And the word of God says, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? The best of times, the worst of times. The world is in a mess, but God is not. Listen to me, church. If you read, you've heard it said before, if you read today's headlines, you'll think the world is falling apart. If you read the book, the Word of God, you'll find that the world is falling into place. In that same passage where Jesus said the deceivers were coming and that nation, ethnicity would rise against ethnicity, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes and violence all over the world, the beginning of sorrows, he says, don't be afraid. These things must be. Do you know what is happening literally? The culmination of the fall. It was just a simple act of disobedience in the beginning, just a bite. But the, but the culmination of the fall, it's all coming to a head. The birth pains have started. But we shouldn't be afraid, mad or upset. Quit being upset by the lies and just walk in truth. Because one of these days, any day now, any day now, any day now, any day now, this Jesus that paid the price is going to step to the portals of glory. And he's going to put a trumpet to his lips. And he's going to call all of his people. His people. He's going to call his people home. In the middle of the chaos. In the middle of the chaos. Victory is going to come. It says, then the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God then we 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 which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord and he said wherefore 
comfort one another with these words. This world's going to do what this world's going to do. Jesus told us, Paul told us, John the Revelator wrote about it. Ezekiel saw it thousands before then. Daniel saw it before then. The world's going to do what the world's going to do. But I serve a victorious God who unites me around the blood of Jesus. No matter who I am, what color I am, what I look like, how much money I have or don't have, that I'm one in Christ Jesus. Stand with me across this place.